Welcome to the third season of Between the Lines, the podcast that brings you interviews with some lesser-known Canadian authors and writers. In this season, we will be exploring some of the works of these unknown but talented poets from various locations across this great country. From the breathtaking landscapes of the far north to the bustling downtown city streets, these writers have captured the essence of Canada in their words. In each episode, we will delve into the lives and careers of these fascinating individuals, learning about their inspirations, challenges, and their triumphs. So join us as we discover the hidden gems of Canadian literature and uncover the stories Between the Lines. Hello and welcome to Between the Lines. On today's show, I will be speaking with the author of The Branch That I Am, Mary Grace Von der Kroof. Hello, Mary yes. Grace, and welcome to Between the Lines. Hello, Randy. Thank you so much for having me today. Did I pronounce that correctly? You did a pretty decent job, yes. Not too, too bad. Okay, good. That makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get into the nitty-gritty of the interview, I wonder if you mind talking a few minutes about who Mary Grace is for the benefit of the listening audience and you know, what you're all about. Okay. Well, my name is Mary Grace von de Kroof, of course. I was born and raised in northwestern Ontario. So up by Thunder Bay, but not quite in Thunder Bay. <laughs> I'm married. I have three children. Um, and we just recently moved to the Niagara region of Ontario. So we're a little bit out of our element down here. We're, we're used to six months of winter and now it's only a month and a half. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, rub it in, rub it in. <laughs> I started writing seriously just in 2019. Um, uh, and since then it's been a whirlwind. So that's me. As writing tends to be. <laughs> uh, normally at this juncture, I would jump right into uh, what I call question period. But because we're highlighting Canadian poets and their poetry, we're going to mix things up a little bit. So if you have one ready, would you mind reading a poem for us? Uh, sure, I have one right here. <clears throat> now, I just released a new, um, uh, a new collection called Words of Weight. And this is from that collection. Okay. Um, and this poem is called Growth. Life builds a living continuation bridge, curled around anchors of moments. Unstoppable as time pulls us, it stalks across expanses wide. We become walkways to dance upon, some warp with the pull, some splinter, becoming new entities unto themselves, dropping roots within fresh soil. Then pervasive vines or full timbers, we change, staving off stagnation's rot. And I wrote that for my friend John B. Wonderful. Lots of thought goes into your poetry, doesn't it? Yes, it does. <laughs> uh, we'll go right into question period here. Um, how old were you when you wrote your first poem? pretty young. Uh, I was homeschooled. Um, and so my mom had us doing writing at a very young age. I can't remember how young, but probably around eight years old would be give or take. That's pretty young. Yes. Did you start writing before you started reading poetry? I did. And that's only because I'm also dyslexic and so reading did not come easy for me at all I didn't actually read well until I was 10 11 years old oh interesting who introduced you to poetry so and 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 with what so that would be my mom um uh, she homeschooled us and the very first poem that I remember that she had us learn and I actually have two of the stanzas memorized oh. is called morning and it is by Jane Taylor. And uh, yeah, so I remember that from, I think I would have been around 10 when I memorized that. Yeah. Wow. So just like five years ago. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> well, with three kids, that's kind of impossible, but yes. 
uh, just trying to be nice. <laughs> when you write, uh, do you stick with a certain topic, for example, love, nature, death, or do you just write about whatever comes out? I write about everything. It did start with an emphasis on mental health because I used it as therapy um, while I was going through some dark places. That's So that's where it started. But I definitely see poetry everywhere. You know, the biscuits left on the table that we don't eat, that, that go stale, that's a poem. <laughs> and prayer is also a poem. Life is a poem. You know, everything. I used to boast about being able to write about anything at any time. And I don't know how many people took me up on that challenge. And it was hard to maintain, but I was able to do it. Yes. And as I get older, it's a little harder because there's, anyway, for whatever reason, is that something you can say that you're like or used to be like? I don't know if I could just pull it out of me whenever I wanted to, but when I can find a quiet space just to sit and think, I can usually come up with, and if it's not maybe a poem, then maybe there's always a story there. You know, that's on top of being a poet, I'm a storyteller. That's what I tell people. And there's, there's always a story in everything, right? So, yeah. That's what life is about, right? Stories. Mm -hmm. And we've been communicating since the dawn of creation, stories. Uh, whether it be in verse or whether it be in prose or, or whatever, there's always a story. Even in poetry, there's a story. I mean, yes. you go back to some of the uh, the epics, you know, like the, the Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner or some of these other. Uh, Beowulf comes to mind as well. These are all poems with a story. Absolutely. So it's uh, I actually wrote out my life story in a poem. Not that anybody is interested, but it uh, it was just something I needed to, to get out there, right? So there's, sometimes do you find that there are just something that you need, absolutely need to get off your, your mind chest or whatever? Yeah, I've actually done that myself. One of my longest poems is called The Branch. And that's what I named my first book after, you know, The Branch that I am. But the 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 longest poem in there is The Branch. And that is the first part of my story up until uh, now. Yeah. So how many pages or words is that? I do not know how many. I went through a lot of editing and it <laughs> lost a lot because <laughs> I think I had over 70 stanzas. Um, and I think it's down to somewhere close to 50, maybe 40. I'd have to check again. Oh, wow. When uh, when I first lost my vision, uh, I, I was introduced to something called the Hadley School for the Blind. And I, I'd been out of school for like 30 years. So I, you know, Anyway, I found a course called The Elements of Poetry. So I thought, okay, I love poetry. I'm going to mm -hmm. do that and ease my way back into doing schoolwork. And my instructor during the course um, said, okay, Randy, I want you to take one of your old poems and edit it or rewrite it somehow, condense it or whatever. And my first thought was, wait a second, you're supposed to edit poetry? <laughs> I always believed that the way it came out was the way it was intended and not to mess with it. But I did the lesson and I went, oh, okay. So apparently you can do this. <laughs> so do you yeah. do a lot of editing? <laughs> I do. Um, and I have to, because I'm, I, I struggle with dyslexia a little bit. Right. So if you looked at one of my rough drafts, you wouldn't be able to read it. <laughs> I mean, uh, a person who doesn't have vision problems wouldn't be able to read it. <laughs> you know, sorry about that. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's a it's a bunch of red. You know, when I move it over from, I use just the notes so that I don't have any distractions, and I move it over um, onto my computer afterwards, and you should see the it's just red, 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 red under you know, underline. <laughs> oh my. Um. So I have to. But then I do go over again because, you know, one of my biggest fears is being misunderstood. And so I'm always really careful with my word choice. Um, and that often sometimes makes my poetry very, what's the word I want to use? Stark sometimes. Like there's not many words. Okay. Sometimes there is, but there's, I, I try to be very careful how many I use. 
and it just builds on the clarity, right? Have you ever written something knowing what it means as it's, you know, as you told your poem or whatever, and, and have somebody comment saying, well, this is what it really means. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And, and I was working with my editor on my first book and I have a poem in there and what was it? She commented on one of the lines and she was like, Oh, I'm so proud of you, Mary Grace. This metaphor is beautiful. And I was like, Oh, Oh, thank you. That's great. I, you're, you're right. Absolutely. That's exactly what I've meant it to be. <laughs> it's, it's like going to an art gallery, having two people stand in front of the same piece of art and each having a different interpretation of what it is. Absolutely. And is that frustrating to you or is that a testament to what you've been able to do in your writing? I think it's beautiful because, and especially I love it when I get people who will communicate that to me and tell me what it's, what it's done because whatever we look at or read or, you know, consume in, in the creative sphere, we project ourselves onto that. Right. And that's why everybody sees something different because our experiences are different. Our personalities are different. And when I get to hear what somebody else's thoughts are and the different things that they've pulled out of it. It's just amazing. And that in itself to me is, is art. And that helps me broaden my own understanding of what I'm trying to say. Right. I think it's great. In my, most of my books, I've included a, a quote of my own that goes I do not write necessarily because I have something to say, but rather because you may have something you need to hear. Oh, that's good. Which actually goes to what we've just been discussing because, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't necessarily have a message, but there might be something in there that strikes you in such a way to make you go, wow. Right. And I think as writers, I, I, that would be the ultimate goal, right? Absolutely. I agree. Uh, I do not own the patent or the copyright on that. So if you want to use that expression, go right ahead. (laughs) If you could put a number on it, how many poems would you say you've written over the years? Yeah, that's what I say too. Yeah, that's what I say. Um, I think um, it would be in 2020 and 2021. I've written about 120 each of those years. So that would put me up close to, yeah. And then this year it's been about 60 and then before that. So I think probably about 350-ish altogether. Okay. So yeah, writing poetry though is, is something still fairly new for you, right? Um, Like seriously? Seriously, yes. I started seriously. I picked it up again in 2019. That's when I started getting really serious. But before that, it's actually how I met my husband. Um, uh, I wrote when I was a teenager and I posted it online in the forum for a band that we really loved. And he commented on my poetry and that's how we met. So what band? Yes. Um, uh, it's called Luna Halo. Not a very well known one. They're out of Nashville. Okay. don't believe they're still together right now, but they were really big in the Netherlands. They had a, quite a following in the Netherlands. That would make um, sense. Not so much in the U.S., yeah. So. With a last name like that, it would make sense. Yes. Um, I, I actually listened to a group out of Finland called Nightwish. Yes, I love Nightwish. <laughs> I have their complete discography. <laughs> well, no, give me another poem if you can. Okay. I have a... A second poem from my new collection, Words of Weight, and it's called Layers. Layering the building up of dust, turf that's warped, ground and rough. Soil piling in uneven gallantry, mountains forming valleys as parts of a she. Terrain shifts, rips with violent quakes, foretelling of eruptions coming day. A living, growing orb, spewing pressures, liquid rock, building high ranges, a guard against wind's plot. As the stones are formed, windward weather rages, jaded earth is watered and flourishes in stages. Grandient terraces, 
high above the forest floor, every pathway climbed, reaching fresh habitats on core, climb the crags, find passes high, leading on to landward slopes, brittle, bare, and dry. Wander past the grand la- the grasslands, sheltering beneath, hear the whispered love songs riding on her breeze, landscapes ever-changing, built by a liquid core, created for exploring while she lays one layer more. So you've just been able to do something that I can't, which is paint a picture with words. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, you're very welcome. Um, God knows I've tried to. And I mean, I think you've read some of, some of my poetry, at least you comment or check mark or, or like or whatever, but uh, I, I've tried to do that. And it, I find that hard. It is hard. And I have, and I enjoy your poetry, Randy. I think I've read about five of your books. Oh, really? You've got yes. five more to go. What's keeping you? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I am kidding you. And thank you for reading. No, you're um, welcome. Yeah, it's, it's a passion. It's something I like to do. I'm not claiming to be any good at it. It's an art that we're learning, right? Absolutely. Never stop learning. No, no. The day my great grandfather used to say, the day you die is the day you stop learning. Mm-hmm. And that could be taken two ways. The yes. day you stop learning is the day you die. Uh, is speaking of dying next question is poetry dying or do you think there is still enough interest in it to keep writing poetry is definitely not dying since i've come into the writing community i have seen more and more and more people like me you know just normal people stepping into that sphere that's one thing that the internet has opened up for us, right, is the ability to have our own little platform, no matter how big it is. Maybe we only have 10 people who follow us, or maybe we have 20,000. But little regular people like me can put their work forward now, and they are. Fair enough. To expand that question a bit, though, um, because that was actually pretty general. and, And, you know, now that I spoke it and heard your answer, uh, more specifically, within the within the writing industry, so marketing, people buying poetry, is that dying, or or are less people buying poetry? Do you feel? No, I don't think people are. I don't think less people are buying it, but I do think poetry is one of those things where most people who read it a lot also write it. But that's also the beauty of it, right? Because when you start reading poetry, it also often tends to just start pouring out of you as well. And so... Which could be a curse. It could be. (laughs) But I found it, you know, it's a way, it's a really, really interesting and beautiful way how the mind connects to the soul, right? And how human beings make sense of the world around them without having to put it into a 50k novel which is also beautiful right i love that (laughs) but in in it's much more accessible to the everyday person and so i think in general people take in poetry more than they think they do but i think that since the arts are opening up to people um, laymen are finding that they love it. And, but I also think that the laymen who are finding that they love it are also wanting to write it as well. So, and they're claiming that word poet. Agree or disagree with the following. More people listen to poetry or hear poetry or read poetry than they want to admit. Because if you think about it and when it comes down to it, all music has poetry in it. I agree. So it might, you know, might not be just reading it in a, in a book or on a piece of paper or on a computer screen. They're hearing it. Yeah. And that's what my English teacher brought to my attention was that you love music, but think about the words because most of that, those words are poetry. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's really what hooked me on, on writing the poetry back in 1979. Yes, mm-hmm. folks, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Uh, okay, so of writing, publishing, or marketing, what do you struggle with the most? Marketing. Absolutely marketing. It's hard. I mean, writing is hard. All of publishing is, is hard. But once you kind of learn where your direction is going with your writing, it comes a little bit easier. And once you get the ropes on publishing, whether it's self-publishing or whether you're going traditional, you know, you can learn the road, right? But marketing, oh my goodness, that road is winding. That road shifts. People try to pull it out from underneath you. <laughs> and it's and it's really hard to reach those new people for someone who has a small platform, you know. Um, so yeah, it's definitely marketing is hard and it's a lot of work and it makes me really tired and cranky, but <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, I just remembered where I wanted to go with, with the previous question. So uh, if it. I may just go back one for one moment here with regards to is poetry dying? Uh, I, rather than dying, would it be safer to say that we are currently in a downward trend because I think it's cyclical. You go back to the Renaissance period, poetry was the thing to do. And then yeah. it died away in, you know, the short story or the novel or whatever. And it, it's cyclical. And I think right now we're at a point where it's coming out of not being so popular back into being popular, but it's not at the height of the Renaissance, let's say. Yeah, we haven't reached peak, but we're definitely going up. Okay. Good. And I think that we're going to see a lot of people in the next generation who are spreading those wings. Do you think poetry is lost on the younger generation? No. I think it looks different for them, but it is definitely not lost on them. No. My son, who's almost 24, wants nothing to do with any poetry. So, uh, hey, hey, buddy, here's my book. Oh, nice, Dad. Okay, I'll just put it on the table. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. But again, it's something, like you said, it's something different for them. Yeah. So yeah. they don't want old people poetry. Yes, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I just recently learned that Facebook is for old people. I know. And that makes me feel old oh, because that's where I feel more comfortable. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, <laughs> um, so again, so I will follow up. The last question of publishing, writing, or marketing by saying or asking, who do you write for? First and foremost, I write for me. Writing helps me focus, right? And I, I tend to be a pretty anxious, worrisome person. And when I sit down and I focus that and I take that pause, it helps me calm down in whatever situation I'm in, right? So I definitely write for me first, and that would be whatever I'm writing about, be it mental health or be it nature or be it love, um, all these things. It's it's first for me. Um, and secondly, I write for my kids. How old are you? I, I have a 12-year-old, I have a 10-year-old, and I have a 5-year-old. Okay. And they won't probably read my work for quite a while, but it's my one of my ways of they'll have this, at least them and hopefully maybe their grandkids. They'll have this and they can say, you know, Grandma Mary Grace, this is her work and I, I this is what she believed and this is what she learned and and I can pass that to them in a pretty tangible way and that's pretty cool. I agree. I agree 100%. Uh, our local school here is a K-12 school. I live in a very small town in central Alberta. And uh, after my very first book, Blind Ambitions, um, the grade four teacher went out and bought a copy. And she reads it to her grade four class every year. That's amazing. Uh, for a couple of reasons. One, because it's poetry and she wants to introduce them to poetry. But two... She wants to let these children know that just because you're from a small town doesn't mean that your dreams cannot come true. Amen. And so, I, I mean, I'm, I'm honored that she does that. And I've got, you know, kids that I've watched from grade four up to graduation and stuff like that. Hey, you're the guy that wrote that book. Yeah. And it's to me, it's a good feeling. But to me, there's a teacher that really cares about their future, that wants to direct them and not just teach them. Absolutely. So yeah. I just think that's really, really cool. I um, do too. 
but who do you write for? So for me, when I started writing, it was a way for me to get all that stuff that's in here that's hurting me mm-hmm. out. So I, I hear that in part of your answer. Um, but would you also, when you do, do did write that way, pardon me, when you did write that way, did you share it at all or did you keep it to yourself? And at what point did you learn or feel comfortable sharing? Um, I wrote that way without sharing for about a year. Okay. And that would have been 2018, the beginning of 2019. And then like I've, I've always known that I was a storyteller and I always kind of knew that the thing that God wanted me to do was to be a writer of some kind. I never, ever dreamed that he would have me be a poet first. (laughs) Never dreamed that. Um, Ever read the Psalms? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But um, uh, I kind of heard in the back of my head in 2019, it's time. You do it now. And I said, okay. Uh, so my first book was, you know, my way of being obedient to what I believe. Right. And so I decided first I have to share it with my, with my family and my friends and we'll see how it was, you know, received and it was received pretty good, which gave me a little bit of courage and then I went on from there. But yeah. Speaking of family, did you get a lot of encouragement? Oh, write the book, write the book and I'll buy it. Did you get a lot of that? Not at the very beginning. Um, I had people question whether I could finish something, but that's just because I have, I had up until that point, not been able to finish a writing project. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, it wasn't, it was, I kind of look at it as it wasn't my time yet. And then I was told now or never and something clicked. And I said, okay, if that's what I need to do, then I need to figure out how. And I learned what a chapbook was. You know, it doesn't have to be this big, grand, huge book. (laughs) You can start small. Mm -hmm. And so first I started to blog and then I put some poetry of mine into a chapbook, which is what my books are. They're small. I think the first one is 26 poems and the second one is 36 poems, you know, bite-sized digestible, right? It's not a, not a full course, seven course meal, but you know, it's, it's good. And then when I finished that first book, I was kind of like, whoa, I can do this. I did it. And then people were like, she did it. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I can't believe she did it, but wow, are we proud of you? So I have a very um, supportive family on that end. And my mom has always been supportive. She always knew I could do it. She was just waiting for me. So My family and friends write it and we'll buy it. And after they, after I published, can I get a free autograph copy? I thought you were going to buy it. <laughs> I, I don't write. Well, I do write for the fun of it, but. Um, another one of my, and you've probably seen this many, many times on the, on my Facebook group and and in other places is that I don't write for profit. I profit from writing. Yeah. Right. And if it sells great, but that's not what I'm really after. I'm just after, again, that links into the first quote that I I gave you that are Mm -hmm. also in my books. Uh, but yes, friends and family have a weird way of supporting, don't they? Sometimes, yes. And sometimes it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And do you find that when you when you share on like Facebook or other platforms, um, do you find that the praise is superficial or do you can you tell when people are sincere about what they're saying about your work? Or does Usually, it I <laughs> I think it doesn't matter if it's super close friends. I think you have to, like for my mom, I'm going to accept praise for my mom because she's my mom and that's what she's for. <laughs> hey, mom! You know, that's she's amazing. Um, uh, when it steps away and it becomes like my auntie, then I look at it a little bit more, right? Because, you know, she doesn't live with me. She doesn't know me as well. Um, uh, but she's still really proud of me and that's special, right? Mm-hmm. 
And when they go so far as to say, I've got my copy, Mary, and that that's special, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But yeah, when it, and then when you, but from friends and stuff, yeah, you know, I can usually tell when they're, and it's more proud of me, maybe not so much proud of my work because maybe they've only dipped their foot in, in what I do, mm-hmm. like heard me read something that I've recorded or they've, they've read one or two of my blog posts, right? And they think it's cool and they're proud of me and that's great. I think you can really tell when somebody is really invested in your work and they tell you how great it is. That's real. So would I be safe in saying then that if somebody tells you, oh, I like it or I didn't like it really means little to you because it's just an opinion? Usually. Yeah. Yeah. So you're after that. Okay. Well, what do you like about it? What don't you like about it? How does it make you feel? I think that's the important thing for most writers. Would you agree? Absolutely. Because we art is in itself. The purpose of it is to bring emotion to the surface. Right. And so if it doesn't um, uh, spark some kind of emotion and you, maybe it's a bad emotion. That's okay. Maybe you hated it. But hey, I moved you. <laughs> that was, you know, that's okay. That's good. That's what I'm after. Or, or maybe you really loved it, and and it moved you to tears. Or maybe it made you laugh. That's awesome, right? That's yeah. good. If yeah. you can incite somebody to think, yeah, that's always a good thing. Yeah. And I mean, they're responsible for what they think, not you. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is the hardest part of writing a poem? for you editing i find it very daunting try it from my Uh, perspective yes (laughs) (laughs) sorry yes no that's okay um uh, it's interesting right because we take our our vision for granted those of us who have it Mm. um but at the same time people who have normal vision and people like me who who deal with you know uh a crossed wire where our eyes, they work, but they, they do war with us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a constant battle. And so I find that editing is really difficult and it also gives me anxiety, right? Cause when I see that red, um, imposter syndrome comes in and says, you can't even see what you wrote. <laughs> How can you be a poet? And then I'm like, you know what? Poetry didn't start on a page. Poetry started in my head and as words. So I'll battle with it and I'll make it what it needs to be. But it is definitely what I find the most difficult. Mm, Okay, that's fair enough. Um, So you've heard some of my other interviews. So you know that there's a mysterious ape question coming that you have no idea what it is. So I'm just forewarning you. Okay. Uh, with that being said, though, going back to an earlier question about who introduced you to poetry and writing poetry, I'd like to redefine the question and okay. expand on it a little bit uh, to say, uh, who introduced you to writing poetry and what would you like to say to them right now if they were listening? Well, the person who introduced it to me is my mom, mm-hmm. because she was also my teacher. And this is your opportunity to say thank you. It is. <laughs> and you know, um, uh, she has eight kids and she homeschooled seven of us. Mm. Um, and I have no idea how that woman did it because I homeschooled one year and then I had to quit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but absolutely. She's a strong, strong woman, strong, gentle, compassionate woman. And the love that she poured into me, that's, that's why I am who I am today and why I do what I do. Um, so yeah. Um, thanks mom. Yeah. Especially when you had to battle with that little girl who would hide her grammar book because she hated it. Mm -hmm. And I did, I hid it behind the couch and couldn't find it for a month and she was distraught and then somebody found it and I was like, Oh, how did that get there? Well, I'm not going to tell you how that got there. 
accident, mom, accident. Yes, <laughs> yes. So be sure that when this airs, you let your mom listen to this. I will. Please. Um, any advice for an up-and-coming poet? Read as much poetry as you can. Read widely. Read people who you don't like. Read people who you love. Read the classics. Read the modern stuff. Read it. That's how you learn. And that's how you learn what your voice is. Because you'll pick out what you like. And that's where you go from, right? Makes good sense to me. Would it surprise you if I said that I don't read a lot of poetry? Not because of my vision. I just don't. Not really. I think... I think there's lots of people who express themselves in different ways and they may not necessarily read a lot. Um, and that's okay. Um, but if you want to get really serious with your poetry, if you really want to be, if you want to hang out with the big people, that might not be what we want to do. I don't, I don't really see myself up there, but if that's your goal, Mm. then you need to read as much as you can. That's fair enough. That's uh, uh quote unquote, the experts say, you know, yeah. read the genre that you're in. So yeah, I uh, used to read, well, you know, um, books like Jim Morrison, for example, he's one of my favorite singers, but he's also, you know, his, he's got poetry books as do a lot of other celebrities. Yeah. So I tend to float that way instead of, you know, common Joe's like me. And I really should be reading more about, you know, from people like me because they're like me. And, yeah. um, but then I turn around and I use my vision as an, as an excuse, which is bad on my part. Sorry, people. We forgive you, Randy. <sighs> but do you have that authority to speak on behalf of all those others? Anyway, <laughs> we're going to go into uh, um, one of my favorite parts uh, really, and what this whole podcast is is designed for, and that's called shameless plugging. Okay. Because really, this is an opportunity for people to get to know you through the questions, but really, we're going to now get into what you have and things like that. So question number one, what books do you currently have available on the market, and where can people find them? Okay, well, my first book is the branch that I am. And that book um, is available on Amazon, as well as an ebook on places like Kobo and um, Apple Books. I'm pretty sure it's on there too. I put it through tra- Draft2Digital, so it's the ebook is out there wide. Um, uh, the paperback right now is only on Amazon. Okay. And my second book, Words of Weight, is also on Amazon, and it is exclusive to Amazon right now. Okay, so, and when did that come out? That came out on my birthday, October 14th. Oh, well, belated happy birthday. Thank you. I just had a question. (laughs) I drew a blank. Traditional publishing or uh, self-published? Both of these um, uh, are self-published. I've chosen self-publishing just for for my first one. It's my life story in the form of poetry. Uh, So I wanted control of that. I didn't want anybody to muck with it. It's pretty personal. So that's what I chose. Um, and as a poet, my my platform is big enough that I felt it was just as easy for me to publish my own books when it came to poetry. I would have as much reach as a small press would have if I went to them, you know. And so for the for the royalties wise, I can make more if I self-publish. But it is a lot of work, and that's not for everybody. So, yeah. True enough. Um, do you have designs or desires to one day be a traditionally published poet? Uh, book-wise, yes. We're going to see what happens because I'm also uh, – I write fiction as well. Okay. And I do have short stories and poems that have been traditionally published by magazines. Um, uh, and that. Um, uh, so it's not all self-published. I like both. Both are important. You know, I think traditional publishing gives you that um, accountability in your work, right? Whereas, and self-publishing gives you freedom, and both of those are important. So, yeah. 
do you find or do you believe or think or feel that um, as a poet to be traditionally published is a lot harder than a fiction author, let's say? No, because usually as a poet, you start small and you start with magazines and you start with, um, you know, journals and online publishing as well as maybe in print. And I think that it is relatively once you find who likes your work, it's not as hard to get your, your little pieces out there, but it does still take a lot of persistence. There's your keyword for the day, ladies and gentlemen, persistence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so just the two books right now then, right? Just the two books right okay, now. Okay, so yeah. next question. Are you currently working on anything? And if so, how close to completion is it? I am currently working on something. My plan is to have at least three more poetry books out in the next three years. And uh, I'm unsure if the next book will be focused on nature or love. We'll see what, how many poems I can put together first. I would say um, I'm about a third done with it and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> um, and I also am writing a fiction novel as well. It's, so it sounds like you are a thematic writer. Yes. Okay. So one book will be entirely devoted or dedicated to a certain topic or sections within the book will be a light topic generally right um uh, so it would be more like nature-based but that would be a pretty broad right right and and depending on how it goes my one of them will be on love but i haven't yet decided if that's going to be romantic love or if that's going to be love in general and if you do love in general, you know, I've got poetry I've written for my kids. I've got poetry I've written for my grandparents, you know. For that ham sandwich you made, because that just looks so good and you love to eat it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting kind of hungry. Uh, my stew is warming up <laughs> as we speak. If you had to choose one of your books or poems as a favorite, which one would it be? Yeah, I know. It's like picking your favorite child. I could not pick a favorite poem. You could not. I could not. There are too many. Um, but my favorite book definitely is my first one, The Branch That I Am. That is uh, really personal. It's my story. So, And it's your first book. And it is my first book, you know. <laughs> so it was a labor of love. I learned so much and made mistakes, but it's good. Um and I, and I really am proud of my second book, but my first book is still my favorite. Was your first book then, um, your feelings about your first book, was it just to say that you've done it and it's out there or was there more to it? No, my first book, the themes in that first book are a lot of um, mental health and faith because I'm a Christian and my battle with depression and, and through that also my battle with God himself. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And, and some of this book is, it, it's pretty dark, but some of it is, is, is really, uh, there's a lot of joy at the end, I think as well. Um, uh, so yeah, it's <laughs> not a book maybe for everybody to read, but it's really special to me. So, yeah. Fair enough. My, my first book, Blind Ambitions, came after I was hospitalized for five months after a near-death experience. And during that five months, um, the dream that my high school teacher had instilled in me about 35 years earlier to one day get published uh, had died. And it all of a sudden, on that hospital bed, came back to me. And three years later, um, that was the culmination of everything that I had dreamt about for 40 years. Yeah. And so, you know, it took me going blind to become ambitious about being published again, hence the title Blind Ambitions, which is also my parent company name for everything that I do, including the podcast, the writing, my mm -hmm. spice blends, everything is all under that one because, uh, you know, it, that's what it took for me to get off my duff and, and be creative. 
It often is, isn't it? It takes trauma to move us. I so hate that word, but you're absolutely right. <laughs> I think that word is overused today. Uh, yeah, I would agree. But still. <laughs> oh, I stubbed my toe. The trauma. No, I'm kidding. I'm not trying to make fun or belittle anybody that experiences trauma. Trust me, we've all seen our share. But I think yeah. I just think it's a an overused term. Um, where can people connect with you? Uh, Facebook, email, snail mail, TikTok, Instagram, first, you know, all these things. There's so many of them. I'm going to stop right there and you can just fill in the blanks. Okay. Well, <laughs> my home on the web is marygracewriting.ca. That is where you can hook up with my newsletter. That is where my blog is. And then apart from that, I am on Twitter. I am on Facebook. I am on Instagram. I'm also on LinkedIn. Don't use that one quite as much, but if that's what you use, come find me. Um, but yeah, the, my, what's my your, home. Yeah. What's your Twitter handle? Uh, Twitter is at capital M G double uh, M G and then writing and writing is capitalized. And Facebook, Mary Grace, or you have another uh, page? Facebook and Instagram are both the same. It's Mary Grace Writing, at Mary Grace Writing. And that's all lowercase. Yeah. And all these will be in the transcript of the podcast when you actually listen to it. So um, just to get clearer instructions or, or what have you. Uh, anywhere else? Anything else with regards to in contact with you or... Can That's, people link to your books through your webpage? Yes, they can. I have a bookshop and all my links there are there. Uh, my first book is also available directly from my website as well. Okay. And do you have on Amazon, do you have an author page? Yes, I do. Okay. I find that a lot of people who use Amazon don't utilize that option. Yes. Which they should. Yes, they should. Um, all right. So in closing, kind of, in closing, what would you tell anyone who might be too afraid to take the chance on being published? <laughs> this is why I get paid the big bucks. This is why I get paid the big bucks. Um... First, you have to decide if it's really what you want. And then you have to decide, is it worth overcoming that fear? Because that's, that's what fear, fear is what the block is, right? I think that most people who really have that desire to be, to be published, uh, it might not be a book deal, but I think that you can find, um, a magazine of some kind, a journal of some kind, uh, maybe it's a local newspaper. There is somebody who will find merit in your work. If you have something to say, there is somebody who's going to accept it. But it's, is it worth it to you to find it? Because it's going to take work to find it. It's going to take effort. It's going to take persistence. And it's going to take overcoming that fear of rejection. Because I tell you, if you <laughs> are going to put your work out there, you're going to hear a lot of no. Yes. And if I can just add to that, though, if you are looking for those journals and magazines or whatever to publish something, read the subscription or the the submission rules carefully and follow very them. carefully and follow them. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, how about a final poem to close the session? Okay. Well, I've chosen one more, and it is from my first book. Um, uh, and this one is called Inhale. Fragile breath, a prayer tonight. Shallow, fighting for life. Compressed inside vessels of glass. Fragile vessels that never last. Breathing in prayer, forcing out despair. Living worship or praise, humbled awe in gasps raised. Each one fragile, never owned, revitalized flesh and bone, a gift on loan, incense sweet before the throne, breaths are prayers, all on their own. 
I'm just soaking that in here. And, and uh, yeah, there's so much of that I can relate to. So that was, uh, that was really nice. Thank you for, uh, Thank you. for sharing that. Um, and when I say it's really nice, I'm not just trying to flower everything because uh, you've made a statement of faith. And I think you know that I'm a, a man of faith as well because it comes through in a lot of my poetry as well. So, um, yeah, so I, that's why I can relate to a lot of what's in that. So thanks for causing me to think more than I really wanted to. Um, <laughs> Mary Grace, this has been uh, awesomely fantastic. Uh, and I, I created a word many, many years ago, and, and I'm going to say it now, but that was awesomatic. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, having this time here with you today has been um, actually, it's been, well, it's been good for me to get to know somebody who enjoys what I'm trying to do for people like you and other writers and other poets. So it's always nice to hear that aspect of it. Um, but giving you the opportunity to do this, thank you for allowing me to do that. I, I'm honored. And uh, yeah, so thank you for being on Between the Lines. Thank you for making it accessible. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Between the Lines. We hope you enjoyed our discussion and were inspired to either start writing or to keep on writing. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes or guests, you can reach out to us by sending an email to randy.btlpodcast at gmail.com use comment or suggestion in the subject line. For a copy of the transcript of this or any other episode, just send us an email using transcript as the subject line and indicate which season and episode you would like a transcript for. Visit my website, therandylacy.ca, where you can purchase one of my books, read my blog, and yes, even hear every episode of this podcast. If you have enjoyed what you've heard and would like to hear more, click the Buy Me a Coffee button at the top right corner of the page to help cover the costs associated with keeping this show available to you. If you're ever feeling overwhelmed by the many lines in your life, take a deep breath and remember the wise words of Winnie the Pooh. Sometimes the smallest things take up the most room in your heart. Until next time, keep on keeping between the lines.